Mark chapter 5, we're starting with verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in, the front, of him, in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. It's a powerful story. Um, on, but the story alone is actually, I think, one of Mark's, like if we're evaluating it from like a literary perspective, like how good's the writing. This is one of the, I think, one of the more powerful pieces of writing that Mark brings. Um, again, Mark is the, like the graphic novel of the Gospels, and so normally you don't get the kind of detail um, in some parts like evocative writing as you do in particularly like Luke and in the book of John, um, most definitely John. But this is like one of those stories that Mark actually seems to give a little bit more time to. Um, just a couple of things to, to think out and to point through, point out. Um, but the man that we see that uh, approaches Jesus, like he has clearly lost his mind. Um, like it, it says, like even like he even contrasts it. Like once the once this group of spirits have been cast out, one of the things that he contrasts with is to say like he was sitting there calmly dressed and in his right mind, and it's meant to be like a. a flip of what it was when he was originally found, which was naked, insane, and like a crazy person, like just flinging all over the place. Um, and so like the, almost like the calming presence of Jesus, like once the, the evil spirits have been cast out, um, you see that in this person you have um, a supernatural power. There are no chains that can hold him. There are no amount of people that can subdue him. He is um, enforcing violence on himself. He is cutting himself. Um, I think it's, it's important to see that um, Mark is not using this as a metaphor for 
like th- this this has actually happened to this person there are actually all of these spirits that are afflicting this person and yet i think there is um something metaphorical we can take from it and see which is like this is like what we see in this man is the is sort of the trajectory of where sin will take us like where sin takes us is like unbelievable capacity to destroy ourselves physically mentally emotionally this is a man who has no friends anymore he has no relationships he has isolated himself from community he is living in tombs um this is this particular group of people which we'll see in a second are like wildly superstitious and so they believe that evil spirits like the place that they live is in tombs and that's where this guy is living um so he is living like what what the description is meant to invoke is that he has ceased to be human like he he exists like all the things that make us human is how this person is is like this person is no longer living by the defining characteristics in the ancient world of something that would make you human is he still like physiologically human sure but the the, the more like soul filled way that we understand humanity made in the image of god he's he's meant to be experiences like beneath that but I think what's important to see is like, it would be really easy to like, well, he's afflicted with all of these demons. Of course he's like that. And that is absolutely true. But what the Bible also shows is that's where sin takes us, actually. But like, it takes us to a place where like the logical conclusion of our sin would be to this kind of place. Um, and we do not need demons to take us there. Like that sin is toxic enough that it will destroy us from the inside out. And we have, like, the the power of sin is that it starts from inside of us and works its way out. And so for this man, it may have happened very quickly, but that, like, the the location of evil with inside of us has the ability to take us all to that place, which is why Jesus is such good news. Um, Some of us move faster to that place than others. Um, some of us maybe would need 500 years to end up to that place, but the trajectory is that's where it takes us. That is, that is the only place that sin leads us, which is why Jesus is so rabid. <laughs> rabid. You like that word, Aaron, I know. Um, like, of dealing with it. He's like, you have to root this out. Um, like at one point he says, like, be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. Like you have been set apart go after you've got to root this thing out because this is where it takes you um looking at the the story what what the uh when he saw jesus verse six from a distance he ran and fell on his feet in front of him he shouted at the top of his voice what do you want from me jesus son of the most high god um it seems that, like we know that this this is a place that isn't um this isn't a group that's full of jews jesus is not in a place right now that is a jewish place he's in a gentile place um, the demon is referring to him in a way that a Gentile would talk about God. And so Gentiles, when talking about the Hebrew God, would often call him the Most High God. This is a common phrase that was used, um, that a Gentile would use when refer- referring to this particular God. But what's interesting on this particular one, <clears throat> and you see Jesus flip on him in just a second, is identity is really, really important in terms of gaining power. And so what what the uh, the demons are trying to do here is to gain the upper hand by saying they know who Jesus is and the vain hope that it would throw Jesus off his game. Now, we've already seen 
and I think in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus silences a spirit to keep him from like sharing with other people who Jesus is, because it's only to be the Father's revelation um, that's given to a person that would reveal who Jesus is, so he silences him, and Jesus immediately takes it back. Um, for Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? Um, and he says, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now, in the NIV, it's not in not this um, translation. The way that it, it comes across in the NIV is that Legion would make it seem like it's like a proper noun. Like Legion, like a Roman Legion of soldiers, which would be three to 6,000 soldiers. So some people are like, maybe there are three to 6,000 um, evil spirits in this man. The, the actual word there isn't like, isn't the word that would be used necessarily for the legion of soldiers. Um, that word legion can also be translated as mob. So it's a mob of evil spirits. Like it's multiple evil spirits. Um, so like, my name is mob, he replied, for we are many. So it's not like this is an official name of a particular like grouping of evil spirits that always travel as a pack so much as like it's a mob of evil spirits that have overtaken this man and he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of this area now we don't exactly know I mean like when we talk about like demonization and the way that things exist on the spiritual plane um, and I know we're talking about things this morning that we don't necessarily talk about a lot um, there is not we don't we don't exactly know everything that's happening here and the way that like arid spirits work. Um, there's some people that, that think that the reason that they really wanted to go to a specific location is because if they're not sent to a specific location, the only place they can be sent to is the place where Satan dwells. Um, and so you can see in verse seven, he says, "Son of the Most High God, swear to God that you won't torture me." So talk like, don't send me to the place. Don't send us to the place where like the only thing that awaits us is torment. Send us to an actual place that exists on this physical earth. Because we don't have a physical place to stay here on this earth. We go to the place where there's only torment waiting for us. Um, and so what he's, he's seeking for, like he tried to gain the upper hand. What's your name? Like, I know who you are. Jesus is like, no, no, no. What's your name? And then what he like. Having lost the upper hand, the mob is now looking for a concession. Like, can you not, like, of, the, of all the evils, can we pick the lesser of evils? Um, can we, like, go over into these pigs? Um, and at first it can look like that Jesus gives a bit of a concession. Like, he sends them over into the pigs. But what happens? Like, the pigs, sensing this mob <laughs> of evil spirits like flies off the cliff and they all drown, all 2,000 pigs. And so what would happen to the evil spirits then? They have no physical place to go. And so they would go to the place of torment. And so what it is that Jesus actually does is he gives a demonstration of his power. I know this is like a little weird and it feels like we've like entered into some sort of like spooky movie. Um, he gives a he gives a like crazy demonstration of his power, which in most cases you were like, okay, this is we like Jesus is a big deal. 
Um, we want to know more about Jesus is what most of the people would say. But look what happens. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported this into the town and country, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, the mob, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had, been, had seen told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then they, the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Um, so this is an incredibly superstitious group of people, and they feared this, this group of people specifically. And this, this is an actual place, you know, real people, real place, real times. This group of people feared spiritual people of power. Like they didn't want to have anything to do with them. They wanted to live in a world that was supernaturally less. I don't know if that's an actual word. It's not. But like in a world devoid of the supernatural. And so like they basically were like, we, despite the fact that this just happened, like what we want from you is to leave. Like we want you to leave. And we, again, we want to live in a world where this actually doesn't happen. And so like they are, they are freaked out by what it is that they've seen. Um, and they, they do not have a worldview. They, 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 were, they resisted to change their worldview to match what it is that they had experienced um, of the supernatural. Um, but there's, there's, one, there's one like little problem. Jesus does leave, but there's one little problem in their plan. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So a couple of interesting things here. One, I think it, like I've always read this and I still kind of read it. I feel sorry for this guy. He's like, all he wants to do is follow Jesus. The only thing that he wants to do is to be with Jesus. Um, And Jesus invites other people to follow him. um, And he tells this dude... No, which is just really sad, right? It's like, man, like this guy's just been delivered and all he wants to do is be with Jesus. And like, there's this like really sweet thing to it. And Jesus says no. Um, And it it makes me think a little bit of um, like how when people, when people come to faith, like there is this like sweet innocence of like, all I want to do is be with Jesus. And in some ways, like they can go to this logical extreme where and, and, you, and perhaps you've met you've met Christians like this who, um, they are, they they have kind of forgotten what they have been created for in the first place, and so they approach life in a, look, I'm just going to grit my teeth. It's going to suck. I'm going to get up under it, and I'm just going to basically they live their life as if they are waiting until they die, so that they can finally be with Jesus. Um, and on some level, there's like a nobility to that. And on some level, it, it's actually violating the thing that they have been created for, which was like we are to be co-regents. We are to be representatives of the king in his world with the authority and power of the king. And so what this man actually does is embrace the sentness of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, what it is that you see happening, he goes into this place called the Decapolis in uh, 57 BC. Um, these were a group of Decapolis, 10, 10 cities. Um, There's a group of 10 cities that were under Jewish occupation, and the Roman general Pompey 
um, releases these ten cities. And so they go under, like, Roman protection. They're no longer Jewish. This is before all of Israel comes under Rome. But what you see happen is in Acts chapter 10, where there's a great persecution that comes and hits the church, it says that all of these people start to, like, around 20,000 people explode out of the city of Jerusalem because the only, all of the church was centered in Jerusalem for the first eight years. And one of the places that they go and we see the gospel flourish is the Decapolis. It's just that that's going to happen almost 10 years later. But what is it that this man has been doing? He has been sharing by virtue of like his existence, like the change in his being who Jesus is, and he is, he is breaking up the soil of the kingdom for 10 years later what's going to happen. Like, we don't always know. We do not always know exactly what's going to happen. All we can do, we talked about this yesterday, is be faithful. And the Lord Jesus himself said, do not come with me, but go and tell these people X, Y, and Z. And here's, here's like this, sort of like the irony of this. This group of people has asked Jesus to leave. They are deeply superstitious people who do not want to live in a supernatural world. And yet here is this man who for like his very presence, like his existence now points to there is a supernatural world because he was a man who could not be who could not be held by chains, who could not be subdued, who lived in the places where evil spirits lived, who was out of his mind, and yet here he is, calm, clothed, in his right mind, and telling people about the joy of his salvation. He is a testimony that there actually is this supernatural world, and in some ways it has more validity because everyone knew he was bananas. Like, everyone knew And so I think, again, the the thing that I just think about from yesterday, the thing I think about today is like we don't control outcomes. We don't know the end game for some of this stuff. We don't know if like the the reason the Lord is asking us to do something for the faithfulness, the sentness that we all possess is going to bear fruit one year from now, two years from now, one day from now, one week from now, 20 years from now, or never in our life that we don't know. All we can do is be faithful for this man It took 10 years of just being himself and witnessing to the resurrection power that he experienced before that would bear massive, massive, massive kingdom fruit. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the Decapolis come to faith in Jesus. It would just take 10 years. And so, again, the question for us today, and it's sort of where we began yesterday, is what does it look like for us to be faithful today?